1: Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are Charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself.
2: Freedom is hammered out on the anvil of discussion, dissent, and debate. Hubert H. Humphrey. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Trial Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be the Story You charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. For today's show, be the story you want to thank everyone who's volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit btsya.com. That's btsya.com. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, which is the largest radio network in the world. I'm Kirstie, your host for today's show. Salutations! Today's show is all about public speaking and debate, which is literally my turf. In segment two, we have a guest who will be speaking more about debate, Alan. In segment three, British Kirstie will be giving us some tips on how to improve in debate. In segment one, we have Cuthie. Take it away, Cuthie. Oh, wait, that's me. I'm Cuthie. Hello. Salutations from your favorite nerd extraordinaire where youth debaters unite. There will obviously be two nerd extraordinaire segments today, for obvious reasons, because it's a debate show. Today's show is, you know, quite literally my show. Usually I'd be finding these ridiculous ways to connect debate with the most random topics ever. But today's show is debate. I don't want to go really deep into one particular debate style for this first segment, because I know that some of you might not have as much knowledge about debate, or perhaps some of you, some of you have never, ever heard a Nord Extraordinaire segment. If the latter case is applicable to you, please listen to Nord Extraordinaire. Pretty please. I assure you, they're decent, and I assure you, they're going to be very fun. I was today years old when I found out that some people don't like debate. So view this as a podcast episode segment. Well, I will persuade you guys to debate. Of course, that's kind of the point of this whole show, but this segment is just an introduction. In case you didn't know, debate is just argue, arguing's fancy cousin. Public speaking is still one of the most prevalent phobias in the entire world, and even though it should seem horrifying to me, since I love debate, I kind of understand why someone would be afraid of public speaking. Public speaking means that everyone is seemingly focused on you and only you, and we as our very flawed human being selves, don't do the best under those kinds of conditions. So it's it's understandable. However, once you get the hang of it, it can be really fun. And most people are reluctant to, you know, do the whole getting the hang of it thing, because that's kind of a very excruciating process. One way to overcome public speaking fears could be to embarrass yourself in public speaking so the next time you speak in public you won't feel afraid because the worst has already happened and how much worse can it be i mean that that is a bit of a questionable method and i wouldn't recommend it but it is true that speaking in front of people who you've had your lowest lows can help you gain more confidence compared to speaking in front of people you haven't had your lowest lows with because it's like a fresh slate anyway today's show is about debate Debate is old. That's a fun fact. Debate is old, like like 300 years old. That's And that's only talking about official forms of debate. Who knows, maybe even the Mesopotamians were debating, but they just didn't have a word for it yet. There is a fine line between debating and arguing with someone. Because once you start to inspect this, this fine line, they kind of become the same thing. It kind of disappears, this line. So probably the Mesopotamians, Mesopotamians were arguing, just in, not, in a nicer way. They weren't just sparring each other, kind of. They were more formal with it. That, that, that kind of is debating. Nevertheless, debate has been a part of our lives for centuries and centuries. Debate goes back to intellectual sparring between the philosophers of ancient Greece. And without debate, our form of government could be very different. In fact, the father of debate is an ancient Greek philosopher named Protagoras of Abdera, who was the first one to come up with the notion that there were two sides to any issue or any anything, any idea. In the present day, we call these I, these sides affirmative and negative. Protagoras created this theory that lies at the heart of debate, and it may even have been why debate even exists in our current world. I'm not going to say it's the reason why debate exists, because, I mean, who knows? This is like 2,521 years ago that we're talking about. That's not even that's not even centuries. That's like hard... And Tens of centuries at least, not I'm, I'm not sure hundreds of centuries. But that is a long, long time ago. So who knows? This this may not have been the case at all. Anyway, we've established that debate is old. Not exactly what I was getting at. But old things are important, like old people are important. Like presidents are old people. Well, I wouldn't say they're important because old things don't necessarily have a good impact they can have a bad impact sometimes, but they're transformative to say the least, revolutionary, catholic, impactful, life-changing, whatever you wanna call it. Okay, I've explained the format of a debate a billion times, but I'm gonna make this the billion plus one time, I guess. Every debate has an affirmative and a negative side. You will be given a random statement that you have to negate or speak in support of. Said statement is called a resolution. AF, which is which is an abbreviation for affirmative argues in favor of the resolution and neg argues against the resolution which is, is it's pretty simple now this is just a basic format someone argues in favor of something so some, someone argues against it it's the AF's duty to support the resolution and also tell the judges why they shouldn't vote in favor of the other side and it's the same for neg neg should support support their argument, which is refuting the resolution, and they should also tell the judge why they shouldn't support the resolution, why not supporting the resolution is better than supporting it. Now, this is where it starts to vary a bit. There are so many debate styles. The oldest one is policy debate. Of course, I'm not going to say that the first form of debate ever was policy debate, because it most definitely wasn't. But it is the oldest style of debate that we still actively practice and know about today. Like, I... I highly doubt that Protagoras, that Greek philosopher father of debate guy we were talking about before. I highly doubt that he was debating policy debate. I mean, who knows? Maybe people in ancient Greece had their own style of debate that we future people don't know about. Because, again, 2,521 years ago, that's a long time. Most debate styles require you to give a speech of some sort, which is called a case. Again, not in all debate styles, just talking in general here. The case is basically a speech where you present your arguments with a claim, evidence, and warrant. And multiple claims, multiple evidences, multiple warrants. And these arguments are, once again, sometimes called contentions. Not in all debate styles. Not everyone says the word contention. But through my experiences as a debater, they are called contentions. A strong argument has an equal amount of evidence and warrant. Too much evidence, bad. Thumbs down. Too much warrant, thumbs down. Because you need this balance between your own arguments and also other people, what other people say. And again, evidence has to be by someone who's trustable. You know, I've, I have I think, like, in past shows, I've talked about, like, Ariana Grande talking about cryptocurrency. Like, you... Ariana Grande is not like a member of the Fed or something who has the power to give her opinions about cryptocurrency and expect people to use it as evidence, as reliable evidence to support like a case in a debate now. Now if it was like the head of the Fed if he said something about cryptocurrency, that's a whole different story. That's actually from a trustable resource. Now if Eliano Grande was talking about singing or something, then you could use that as an evidence. Of course, I have never heard of a resolution talking about singing, but you know, you get the gist of it. Even though the technical technical this is a technical structure for a debate, but most debates have these Class files slash class examinations. Again, this this name varies with each debate style. The actual fun stuff happens in the class files slash cross examinations class things. These class things are when you do the actual arguing, where questions are exchanged. Even though the technical reason for a class file is to get clarifications in your opponent's case. And you know, kind of Understand your opponent's case more. That's that's the technical reason. If you read a book about debate, that's what it's gonna tell you. That you're supposed to get clarifications. But that's not exactly what you wanna do in a class file. You don't want clarifications. You wanna poke holes and expose flaws in your opponent's arguments. You wanna show that the argument has no chain of logic whatsoever, even if it's a pretty good argument. You wanna show that the argument makes absolutely no sense, even if it does. You wanna show that you don't agree with the opposite side of this resolution at all. Even if you do, you need to convince the judge that, hey, you should not vote for this person. You should not vote for the next side if you're on the off side. You should not vote for the off side if you're on the next side. You want the vote, you want the judge, you want that vote, that judge vote to go to you. You want the judge to like you. You want the judge to like your argument more. And one way you could do that is by degrading your opponent's argument. And another way you could do that is by importing improving your own argument, and you have to have both of this, because you can't have one and not have the other. Both of them are extremely powerful and can have, let you have an ad- advantage in this debate. You can't have a weak case, but then be a hypocrite and criticize your opponent for also having a weak case. That's being hypocritical, and the judge won't like you for doing that. So you have to have both. You have to have a strong case, you have to have strong arguments of your own, and you also have to know how to rebut. So, that's the beauty of debate. Anyway, that's it for the first Nerd Extraordinaire segment. Soil through summer with your newfound debate knowledge. And unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this segment. Very unfortunately, it was very fun. Make sure you stay tuned for our next segment, where we will be having a teen debater hour and talk about his debate experiences. We want to hear your thoughts, and we want to answer your questions, so email us at btsyateenradio at gmail.com. That's btsyateenradio at gmail.com. Check out our radio site at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and our creative community site at www.bethestoryworld.org. You can get involved with Be The Story World charity, buy books and t-shirts in our store, sign up for our free newsletter, and make a donation to Be The Story World.
3: Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are
1: you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens.
3: with us at be the starurradio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you.
0: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens.
2: Hello, and welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm you host for today's show. Right now, we're talking about public speaking, specifically debate. And our guest for this segment is Alan Tavmasian. Alan Tavmasian is a graduating senior from Jesuit high school who's had a decorated career in speech and debate. He is placed in various invitational tournaments, such as the Stanford Invitational and Berkeley Debate Invitational. Tavmasian is a three-time nationals qualifier and is currently ranked in the top 10 of the Capitol Valley Forensics League. Tavmasian’s other passions lie in the medical field where he's published work advocating for changes within our public health and healthcare systems to better defend the population against diseases such as Alzheimer's and heart failure. His work has been published by Humanities Plus and has been accepted for publication by the Journal of Student Research. Alan's other hobbies include watching basketball, following the stock market, and admiring cars. Welcome to the show, Alan.
4: It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: So, Alan, we know that you're a big debater. So, when did you actually start your speech and debate journey?
4: Uh, So... It's been a very long time since I've been doing speech and debate, actually. Uh, I started in the fifth grade, and this was all due to a decision I made on, like, what my middle school elective was going to be. The way school is set up is, like, you have your normal classes and you have your electives. I had the choice between a computer science class and a debate class, and I really wanted that computer science spot, but what ended up happening was that they ran out of of space there, Um, so I couldn't have that spot, so I had to do speech and debate, and... At first, it was a reluctant decision, but it ended up being one of the most, the best decisions I've made in my life, for sure.
2: So it was kind of like the world was telling you to do speech and debate, and that's really cool. It seems like you were like destined to do speech and debate, and that's fairly clear that because you're flourishing in this debate world. So, what made you want to do speech and debate?
4: Um, I think it's the appeal of. Public speaking—that kind of got to me. Uh, I like to tell the story that the first time that I ever started, or like that I ever gave a speech, was again in the fifth grade. I had a mock debate to do. This was all planned out. Like I had my speech written in front of me. I knew what I had to say. So I, I walk up to the podium and I start crying. And this was completely—this <laughs> was completely out of fear, right? So public speaking—I I, had—I had the fear of that, um, and I really wanted to kind of. Get rid of that because I know that it's a skill that I'm going to need later on in life. Like I I need to know how to talk.
2: So what tip would you give our audience? Like people who are afraid of public speaking, what would you do? What would you uh, give to help them overcome that fear?
4: So one of the things that I would do, um, well, do do what I did is for sure if your school has a speech and debate team, definitely join that. Um, but it's not only a speech and debate. I mean, there, there are a lot of different opportunities that public speaking can, that, that you can have for public speaking. Like, for example, opening a club, right? I've opened an Armenian club at my school and that's, you know, that offers some sort of publicity. You're going to get some sort of attention from a few teachers, right? And you're yeah. going to talk to those teachers, um, In a professional manner, that's like you're you're receptive, you're listening to them and so that they can understand your needs and the club's needs. So that by itself teaches communication. And as long as you know how to communicate at a private small level like that, after that is just taking bigger and bigger steps. Like maybe you can plan a school wide event for your club. And then at that moment, you're going to have to plan for the introduction of the event and say like, um and plan a speech on what the event is about, right? And you want to advertise that. So definitely getting yourself involved in your community is a great way of opening the opportunities to public speaking.
2: Yeah, that's actually great advice. Believe it or not, public speaking more can help you overcome that fear, which is kind of ironic. So what would you say is your biggest failure in speech and debate? Uh,
4: um, My biggest failure in speech and debate? Let's see. Um, I remember my freshman year, I did a state qualifier tournament. And I know it's not like an expectation to qualify for states your freshman year, but um, I definitely wanted to. And having done speech and debate from the fifth grade, and now I'm in my freshman year of high school, I kind of expected myself to take a, to take a quick jump forward. Um, but to my disappointment, I didn't make states that year. And what ended up happening is that I knew that there's a flip, or that there's a switch that I needed to flip, right? And that I need to put more time into this. I need to practice, I need to become better for myself. Um, if I want to make states and later on make nationals, I have to practice. And that flip a switch within me where um, I kind of treated it as my, like, as the thing that I do, like this is my sport now, right? I'm, I'm going to spend a lot of time into this to make sure that I can become the best version, the best speaker, Uh, That I can possibly be. And so that flipped the switch and that failure is kind of what led to, I guess, um, the success.
2: Yeah, that's another ironic thing that the biggest failures lead to the biggest successes. And... That, that actually inspires a lot of people, you know. You you feel really bad after losing a debate tournament. Like one time I went to a debate tournament and I lost like all of the rounds except one. And then I felt really bad about myself. But then you think that it's just a learning experience, literally. Like you, you get more out of a failure than you do out of a success. So what would you say is your biggest success in speech and debate?
4: Um, my biggest success, you know, like I can say qualifying nationals three times. I can say winning Stanford. um, uh, I came first in SPAR back in uh, my sophomore year. And that was the last time Stanford ever held a tournament. They haven't done one since for some reason. Um, But I would say like my biggest success is not necessarily the accomplishments or the wins. It's more so guiding the younger um, members of our club, our speech and debate team into becoming better speakers, right? And, and making friends and making connections from the art or, like, uh, or the activity that we both love, right? I've made a lot of friends from speech and debate and that by itself was so meaningful for me that it kind of overshadows all of the accomplishments because if there's one thing that I'm really going to remember back in the time that I've done it was the experiences that I've shared with people. Um, so that kind of trumps everything else that I've done, I think.
2: Yeah, that's kind of what debate is all about. It's about communication. It's about sharing your ideas and arguing against each other, which is a little bit of a less graceful way to put it. But still, that's kind of what speech and debate is about, and that's what really matters in the end. It doesn't matter if you won the competition or not. So how has competing in speech and debate improved how you view yourself?
4: It's definitely given me a lot of self-confidence. Going into high school, I remember... I was a kid that was like, I was kind of scared of, you know, going into these groups where groups of larger kids, right? So my, my middle school was really small. Um, It was a, it was a K through eight school uh, from where I was coming from. It was private. The entire school had like 150 kids, right? And my class by itself had 10 people, right? So in the entire eighth grade, there are 10 kids and I was moving to a school with a thousand kids. So that definitely was a a quote unquote, like culture shock to me. Um, and I definitely had to overcome that by kind of pushing my social boundary, right? And the best way to do that is, again, working on my public speaking, increasing my self-confidence, being able to go to people and talk to them, introduce myself. Um, and just be- And essentially, that confidence is what leads to the connections that you make later on in your high school, right? As a senior now, I have I have many friends that I've made, not only from speech and debate, but also from people at school that share other interests that I may have. And that's only because, you know, I built the self-confidence that's needed to go up and talk to them um, and, you know, try, try to make connections that really are meaningful and that they can last.
2: Yeah, I feel like most people think that when they see these big public speakers and debaters, they think that they're kind of born with the self confidence to speak in front of people or to speak on the spot or something like that. But they don't understand that something that has to be built. Cause I'm definitely the type of person who who's like definitely like nature over nurture. If I if I saw you in like a debate tournament winning like Stanford Invitational, doing SPA. How cool. I, I would think that you were born with this magical debate ability to win debate tournaments. So that's actually really really transformative. So how is speech and debate a pathway to building community?
4: ooh, that's that's an amazing question because uh, the community aspect, you know you're you're arguing over each other, you're trying to compete. Um, the community aspect gets overlooked a lot. Um, but it's definitely one of the best community builders because, uh, th- there's a statistic that came out uh, that public speaking is feared more than death, right? And so what I like to say is that I kind of like to turn that around um, and I say that what i what I do for fun is what people fear more than death, and that is public speaking <laughs> <laughs> so you doing it in speech and debate and your teammates, you're in that together, you're both trying to do what people would rather not do that like people would rather die or face death than to do what you're doing for fun right and you're in it together so that is truly like what is the biggest community builder of the of the sport or of the art that that's the basis of it so once you realize you're in it together you're trying to beat this fear of public speaking you're gonna grow together and that's something that i've seen during my time
2: yeah, definitely. I feel like that's really true. It's just like how we said before that it really matters the people that you meet. And that, that can be really transformative. So so I actually have a question. So how have you impacted your community with the lessons that you have learned through speech and debate?
4: So my community, let's see, I went back to my to my previous school, my middle school that I spoke about earlier. Um, to go over there and coach their speech and debate team over there. Cause back when COVID happened um, the entire program shut down. So I didn't want to watch like the program that gave me such an amazing foundation to do well in high school to simply like wash away like that just so easily because, uh, because the pandemic was going on. Like I wasn't going to just watch that happen and let it happen. So What I decided to do is that I started out as a volunteer. I said, I will meet with the team once a week. I'll keep speech and debate alive at the school. And, um, all I want is just volunteer hours out of it. Like I want to keep this thing alive. And then after this period is over, you can hire another coach and I'll be happy that this, you know, this team still exists. Um, so that was like that was my way of giving back, and even to this day, I'm still coaching that team. And they finally, um, and and I was and I was hired, right? I was hired this year to be their head coach. So that kind of was a it was a full circle moment to me, right? That yeah, this team that you know gave me such a great foundation was going to go away, but I was able to come back, give back to that community that gave so much to me keep the team alive and now we're having you know we're we're going to have a competition this weekend we're we're back into it the league is back alive they're debating in person so it's it's really great to see
2: that's actually cool to see that you're literally giving back to the community who helped you helped you get to this point which is a really cool thing so I'm, I'm sure there's still some people out there who are still afraid of speech and debate who are not convinced that they should do debate. So what, why should anyone try speech and debate? What would you say to those people out there who think would rather face death than do debate? Yeah.
4: Um, death is a lot more dangerous than public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing. Um, but here is the main factor of it. Uh, Let's say you do a sport, right? You you as an athlete, right? There there are many aspects of your game. Like let's take basketball for example. There's you gotta learn how to dribble, you gotta learn how to shoot. Um, But more importantly than those two things, what coaches notice is how you talk to your teammates, how well you communicate with them, how you talk with the people asking you questions. Like at the professional level or in the NBA, we have they have press conferences. And they're supposed to talk to the press and they have questions about how the team is doing and what they thought went right or wrong in a game. They need to have the skills necessarily necessary to respond to that. Um, so even if you don't want to make speech and debate your main thing, you can still do it to learn a skill, right? You can still do it to learn something that's going to carry you for the rest of your life. If you're, if you're working for a business, for example, you're going to have business meetings where you need to convince investors to, hey, in- invest in your company, right? Yeah. Uh, the best way to do that is have amazing public speaking skills. Make sure you're clear in your communication. And the best way to do that is start young. Um, make sure you're not afraid of it. And the best way to do it is just by simply dedicating yourself to doing speech and debate. That's that's something that I've learned.
2: Definitely, definitely. I I feel like that's really true, that speech and debate, even if it's not your main thing, it can be really useful no matter what you grow up to be no matter what your profession is it's always going to be useful so you've you've been talking about how speech and debate isn't your main thing but you could still take the skills from it have you ever had that happen with you so speech and debate is your main thing have you ever learned anything outside of speech and debate that has influenced you and helped you debate um
4: definitely so i used to do water polo um, and that kind of taught me how to be a part of a sports team. Um, and the way I brought that aspect of it into speech and debate was that I, I learned how to communicate with teammates in speech and debate. I learned how to communicate with members of other teams, like the the respect you're supposed to show. That's something I learned from somewhere else. And that's something I brought into speech and debate. So everything kind of plays into each other. Um, there are things I learned from speech and debate that I used for water polo, and there are things from water polo and swimming that I brought in for speech and debate that, like, you know, it's all it's all repetition. Um, if you want to get better, you have to do it again and over and over again. Uh, those are things I learned from sports that I also brought into um, my time doing speech and debate.
2: So, you're talking about teamwork and how it helps you in the speech and debate, but, like... How exactly does, you're saying that from water polo you learn teamwork, but sometimes there's like some debate styles, like Lincoln-Douglas, where you, it's like you're just on your own, you're an individual debating against a bunch of other individuals, and how would you use that, in that case, like how would this scenario of like teamwork be useful?
4: Well, the way I would view one-on-one debate whenever I had to do rounds of them, is that I like to view the judge as my teammate, right? And perhaps we're having a disagreement, but I want to convince my teammate that I am correct in this way of thinking. Right. So, um, because I think that's just, that's just how it's going to work and it's going to be better if you agree with me. Um, it'll, It'll just make the dynamic a lot easier. So, if you view uh, that, that's something I kind of brought into, even though I'm on an individual level, the judge is there to help you like they're not going to mark you down unless you say something wrong to them. So as long as you, you you know, remain respectful, nice, um, but assertive with what you think you are going to get like scored, you're going to get scored higher. Um, so viewing your judge as your teammate who, you know, might disagree with you because someone else is trying to influence their opinion uh, is a way of looking at it even though you're all alone on the debate stage.
2: So, you you view the judge as a teammate, but very obviously you don't view your opponent as a teammate. So, I know a lot of people have a problem with, like, aggressiveness in debate. Like, they, they, they're just arguing, straight up arguing, and they get way too angry, and it kind of turns less debate, more arguing. So, like, what, what, what would you say that, how, how, how would you debate without being aggressive, but at the same time successfully repute, refute your opponent's arguments?
4: Yeah, there's definitely a clear, there's a clear line between aggression and tactical refutation. Um, refutations are supposed to be, you know, they're, they're supposed to be witty responses, right? Not just witty, but they also have to be developed um, and well thought out. So as long as you keep your responses to their arguments, you know, well thought out and, um, and, and 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 elaborate, of course, they're going to see it more as a logical disagreement rather than something that's outright competitive and obnoxious.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's really good advice because I feel like some people just win debate tournaments by being aggressive and that's that's not the way to go because debate, that's not what debate is about. Debate is about poking holes in your opponent's arguments, but simultaneously not just being very personal and mean to your opponent. So what we've been talking about a lot about teamwork, but let's talk about leadership. What leadership skills have you learned as a debate
4: debater? Well, one of them is, of course, public speaking. Any leader is supposed to talk in front of a crowd, convince their um, people who they're working with to side along them, and if there are disagreements within the group, the leader is supposed to have the group come to an agreement, right? It's supposed to direct a group into one direction or another. Uh, In other words, the affirmation or the negation, (laughs) you can see it that way as well. There are a lot of parallels. Um, But for leadership specifically, speech and debate kind of teaches you to see both sides of the argument. and. One thing uh, that I've seen myself excel in is seeing exactly that, like both sides of an argument uh, where I might disagree with someone, but as a leader, I kind of have to step up and I have to compromise even though I disagree. So that feeling of disagreement is not as competitive, as you said. It's not as competitive as it usually would be if you didn't have this background of being able to see both sides of an argument.
2: Yeah, yeah, I feel like that's actually uh, seeing the seeing both opposite sides of the argument especially in debate, and if you want to go into a debate tournament, because sometimes randomly, it's, it's kind of random, especially in like preliminary rounds, you don't get to choose what side you be on. It's there's like a coin flip and you either get to choose what side you want to be on or if you want to speak first or second or like something like that. So a lot of the times you also get assigned sides. So you have to be equally prepared for both sides of the resolution. So I have a question for you. Another thing that I personally have struggled with as a debater, is like like obviously you're gonna believe one side of the resolution you're you're gonna like personally believe that one side is correct with your own opinions and your own beliefs you're gonna think that either af or neg is correct so how do you overcome that say if you believe in the neg but you get assigned af how do you still debate just as effectively
4: (laughs) Oh man, I remember having that problem. Essentially it comes down to gaslighting yourself into <laughs> thinking <laughs> that you're wrong. But and <laughs> in, in all seriousness, like the the way to do it really is that um recognizing that even the judge that you're presenting to is going to have their own bias. Yeah. Right? And their bias might even you might be lucky and they can lean your way. But what if your way is what you initially thought was wrong, right? So there's that 50 50 chance of always being like the judge might agree with the side you disagree with, but even not considering that you're supposed to defend the side that you're given. And the best way to do that is just by looking at both sides of an argument, noticing that both sides have really strong points. And as long as you notice that there are strong points to those both sides, it shouldn't be as difficult, right? You might not disagree. You might not agree with those points, but, as long as they're strong and as long as you're based in logic, and they came to that conclusion in a way that's that makes sense and that's cohesive, um, it isn't that hard to get over you disagreeing with a position that you have to argue,
2: yeah. and I also feel like, like if you can see the pros of one side of an argument, you can obviously see the cons of that side of the argument, too. So mapping it out like that, I feel like that's kind of clever. I should probably try that. So how has speech and debate expanded your worldview?
4: Oh, by a lot. Um, so, so, I, you know, speech and debate, you're presented with a topic. And this topic could literally be anything. It depends on what type of events you do. Um, For Spar back at Stanford, it could literally be something as silly as Pepsi versus Coke. I once (laughs) had to argue around like Johnny Depp versus Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) That was one of the topics. Um, So, yeah, in that sense, my worldview increased in pop culture. But (laughs) other than that, (laughs) what I do more of is like extemporaneous speaking or um, parliamentary speaking where you're given a resolution that's, probably being debated in Congress right now or in um, or in any of the branches of the government, you could be given a Supreme Court case and you're going to have to break it down for the judge and argue for or against it. Right. And just knowing these um, these cases and knowing these bills that could become law, my worldview just expanded like crazy, because what you see here is um, you're going to be seeing a lot of that you're going to be seeing a lot of legislation that could have impact on your own life that you might have not even known before, right? But since you're given this topic and since you have to do research on it, you know about it now and you just have something that you can carry with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, Especially spoiler debate resolutions, they they can be pretty silly, and you could be wondering to yourself, like, why am I, why am I debating like Johnny Depp versus Leonardo DiCaprio? Like, like it it does seem silly, but at the same time, it it hones your skills to debate, so that when you are faced with like an actual real life, like like an actually impactful issue, like if you go into the government or something and you're debating on something like that in on itself, like, you can just use those skills. If you know how to support Leonardo DiCaprio and refute the fact that Johnny Depp is better than Leonardo DiCaprio or something, if you know how to argue that, then you will know how to argue something more important, that it's just honing your skills. So, how has the skills you learned from speech and debate translated to other aspects of your life?
4: Um, so... I mean it 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 comes into play into everything right speech and debate teaches you not only how to speak it teaches you how to write how to organize notes um how to organize your thoughts in a way like in the middle of a presentation that you're given that you can move on to the next point with a smooth transition so i guess the biggest way like it helped me a lot in school right I, i truly believe it turned me into a much better writer um I wasn't always like the greatest writer but when i was doing speech and debate and as i kind of got better at it i noticed that over and over again into if you want to be successful at speech and debate you have to follow a formula right but and that's the same thing with writing if you want to be successful in the essays you write you have to follow a certain format and the better you are at following a format or learning more formats that you can kind of be more successful with um that's something that played into my skills as a writer.
2: Yeah, like, it's it's actually really surprising how much speech and debate can change your life in just the most unexpected ways. So you did mention before that you won at Stanford for spoiler debate. Spoiler debate is spontaneous argumentation, which is talking on the spot and impromptu. So... Obviously, you were saying that previously you had a fear of public speaking and public speaking and talking on the spot don't really go hand on hand in hand. So, like, how did you get over that fear uh, of that difficulty? Did you ever have a difficulty of talking on the spot? If you did, how did you get over that?
4: Yeah, that's totally right. Um, public speaking is one thing. Being able to talk on the spot is something completely different uh, with with pretty much <laughs> no preparation. Um the best way I got over it is again, doing more practice of it. Uh, but I also kind of like to do just just joking around with your friends really is another good way of kind of quote unquote practicing. because yes. the, the the more witty you are, or the big or the fast you you pick up on the things um, that your friends are saying, and the way you could spin them into like, like a joke, that's actually funny. Um, that kind of helps with your impromptu skills. And when you look at when you look at all these like comedy people, right? Uh, people that work in the comedy business, you see uh, how one of the more popular formats is impromptu speaking where they're just kind of on a stage. and it seems like they're going off spontaneously. They're talking about these random topics, but they're also doing a really good job of that and they're being funny at the same time. So not only are they public speaking, but they're also being spontaneous. They're picking up on things in the crowd and kind of like making fun of them in order to make the crowd laugh. And those are only things like the crowd can understand, which is what makes, it, it kind of brings the audience closer to you. It makes a crowd-wide inside joke, so to speak. Um, so in that way, the that impromptu speaking is done by practice, right? You're, you're talking with other people. And the more you give yourself a topic from impromptu like the more quotes you look at the more books you read um and also like if you just look at a random object and kind of think about what it could symbolize or represent for a few minutes it kind of makes you think into and lets you tap in into other things that you can connect it to and you it it just you you just look at all the branches grow from from one object it grows into other topics that's affecting your life
2: yeah yeah i feel like that's really true so So as like, what are kind of your closing words? What would you say to, I feel like this may be a little bit repetitive, but kind of just to summarize everything we did in this segment. Just what would you say to a beginner debater who's having trouble with debate? Just summarize.
4: I would tell that person to keep at it, keep going. Um, Yes, it's very difficult at the beginning, but here, take me as an example. Like the first speech I ever gave I was bawling up on the podium, right? I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I I was scared. I mean, I didn't think I could be good. But the more time I put into it, the more I thought about it, the more practice I had, the more reps I put in, I saw myself kind of grow into a speaker that I thought was impossible for the standard. Um, so you have to keep at it if you're new. And once you do, you're going to realize that there's a point where you start figuring out all these formats that you can that you can um, organize your speeches in as long as you keep doing that um, you're going to become more successful in debate you're going to learn how to uh, uh, on, on what you're going to learn how to pick up on what arguments are weak and what parts of their strong arguments are also weak so that you can hit um, refute those and in turn that just turns you into a better debater so the more you do it the more things you essentially pick up on and notice And the more of that you're able to do, the more successful you'll be. It just comes with time.
2: Yeah, I feel like your story in general, it's like really inspirational and kind of unexpected that, hey, you weren't born with this magical ability, with this confidence to speak on the spot and all that. So thank you so much for your time, Alan. It was, we had such a great time here on this show. So unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this segment. Make sure to visit our website at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com and make a donation to BTS Way.
3: Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio.
1: Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's expressyourselfteenradio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk
3: and the world listens. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit expressyourselfteenradio.com. Now, back to our star teens.
2: Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. Today's show is all about debate, and I'm your host, Kofi. Right now, unfortunately, we have British Kofi with our segment Nerd Extraordinaire. Take it away, British Kofi. I guess. Salutations from your favorite British Nerd Extraordinaire, British Kofi. Today is all about debate and public speaking, so I will be sharing some tips about this. Unfortunately, I will not be going to Luxembourg for some time, especially since my assistant quit. I thought he was loyal to me, but he was saying he didn't want to work for me because I didn't pay him and his new boss paid him. How offensive. It's a privilege to even be in my presence. I'm a household name in Luxembourg, and he should be grateful that he gets to be my assistant. Imagine how many people would have asked for his autograph if he worked for me. People would kill to be in his position right now, but he quit and went to work for some magician guy. He would have been a star, you know, not as big of a star as I am, but still a star. Anyway, debate. Today's show is about debate. Debate, if you don't know, is kind of what this whole segment, Ned Exodinah, is all about. So there's not really a way for us to specialize in certain styles of debate for this show because obviously one debate style cannot represent a whole art. The whole art of debate. Debate has so many different styles, and which each, even each style, varies with wherever, whichever tournament you're going to. So you can't just pick one style and emphasize that only because. No debate styles are more important than others that are all equally used and equally important and equally useful and equally fun. Honestly, debate is too grand to fit into one show and too complicated, way too complicated. Also, we ran out of debate styles to specialize in. On this radio show, I believe we have covered Public Forum, Lincoln Douglas, Parliamentary, Congress. Did I miss any? I feel like I missed one. Oh, I missed policy, one of the biggest debate styles ever. I missed it, how could I forget? Anyway, I thought that for this segment, I could give you guys some tips on how to improve your debating. First tip is do not be afraid of public speaking. As my alter ego slash partner, Kierthe said in the first segment, people are really afraid of public speaking. One tip that can help you with your public speaking phobia could be to focus less on the hundreds of thousands of people who are staring at you right now and focus more on what you're about to say. Another tip could be to start off with online debate tournaments and get the hang of speaking, especially since COVID-19 has just gone away. It's maybe even still there. COVID-19 is still there. So there are still online debate tournaments, and I feel like they will, will persist for a long time because of COVID, and people will get the hang of doing these Zoom meetings. Believe it or not, online tournaments are a big thing. I think even NSDA, which is the big debate giant, has online tournaments. So do not think lowly of online tournaments. Also, speaking to a screen is much less scary than speaking in person in front of all of these people. For example, I'm speaking to a screen right now. I'm speaking into a microphone. I'm not actually seeing all of you guys right now. This is this is a podcast, so this is on the radio. You guys don't see me. I don't see you. So I am feeling much more confident right now. I would be very, very scared if I was if I was sitting on a podium or like standing on a stage in front of all of you, all of our listeners, and giving this speech, not the speech, but this, but this segment kind of thing. So you could start going to online tournaments, and then when you get more comfortable with debating, and once you are more experienced with public speaking, in-person may not seem as scary. That's two tips. Now, another thing people struggle with, debate, is to talk on the spot. All debate styles have some kind of unscripted, impromptu speaking, crossfire slash cross-examination thing going on. So you have to develop that skill because the real beauty of debating lies in these crossfires, in these impromptu arguments where you pick calls in your opponent's case. That's actual debating. That's actual going back and forth. It's it's less. It's not really like you just present a case. And then the other person presents the case. And then you say another rebuttal speech. And then they say another rebuttal speech. That's kind of boiling. So we have some close bias to have that, speak, that spice in. So, one tip to improve what could be uh, that could be to map out what you're going to say in your head before saying it. Some people are just born with the talent to do on the spot speaking well. But if that's something you're having trouble with, map out what you're going to say. And think what you're going to say before you actually say it. That should be that should be pretty self-explanatory. Think before doing, do not do before thinking, because you want to do good. Of course, you want to do on-the-spot speaking, but at the same time, you want to do it well. You want to actually bring up points worth bringing up. Another way to, could be to practice impromptu speaking, or maybe even go to spa debate. Practice can help you think and come up with ideas faster to get you a flow of speaking going. Once you've done all of this, you are unbeatable in debate, just like how I am unbeatable in life. I'm just very good at living. Don't you think I'm very good at living? I live well. So high with these tips and debate your way through life. that, That didn't really make much sense, but whatever. Here are some debate tips. So thank you, British Toofy, for that little segment about about impromptu speaking and getting the confidence to do public speaking. I'm sure many of our listeners would find that useful. So we're out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Story You Are, and our Voice American Empowerment crew, especially our audio engineer, Andrew. Thanks to our guests from all across the world and a huge thank you to our listeners for making us a top rated program. For more information about Be The Story World charity, visit bethestoryworld.org. Find us on Instagram at Radio. Stay speaking and keep debating. Always remember to speak
0: up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Just...